0: Welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy Alvy, aka Danny, aka Mr. You Can Too. I have a amazing guest in the building for you today, none other than the amazing Rachel Smith. Rachel is a couples and sex therapist and the owner of Infinite Intimacy Therapy. In today's episode, we take a deep dive into how she got into this work how childhood experiences can be showing up in our relationships today, the concepts of yin and yang, which are feminine and masculine energy, and essentially how it shows up in all people, right? And how to understand how tapping into both of those can really help all of us have better relationships. And we talk about Dr. John Gottman's work on the four horsemen of the apocalypse which basically states if these specific four things are present in a relationship that relationship is more than likely to fail if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your family friends and loved ones it would mean the world to me if you leave a five star rating and a review of the show i honor you i appreciate you and as always you can too enjoy the show Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. I have a special guest in the building. I have my friend, Rachel Smith. She is a couples and sex therapist. I've known Rachel now, oof, how long has it been? Way way over, uh, almost like 10, 15 years now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think 2007. I think that's the, you know, I don't know how long that is. Math isn't my strong suit. There
0: you go. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay at math, we're, we're gonna count that about 14 years. <laughs> Which is amazing. And you have known Rachel for a long time. Rachel is the partner of one of my best friends, my brother, Julian Triple. And why I wanted to bring Rachel on is that I think she does amazing work in the space of working with couples, right? Doing couples therapy, sex therapy. And I think that with the type of audience that I have and the people that I hang around with, I think a conversation around this can be very, very powerful. So, Rachel, thank you for joining
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It really is, you know, such an honor to be able to be on different platforms to to really help spread positive and, you know, effective uh, messages and tools and resources for couples and, um, you know, individuals and couples, I think, in my work um you know i'm a couples and and sex therapist right and my company is infinite intimacy and i see it's my own private practice and i see individuals and couples my whole thing is it's not just the relationship you have with others it's the relationship you have with yourself right and if that relationship isn't really strong then how strong can your relationship be with others you know
0: Absolutely, that's powerful. That's something I definitely resonate with, how important it is for us to have, one, a great relationship with ourselves, so that we can be in a position to have a great relationship with others, including partners, spouses, work relationships, family, you name it. I'm curious, as you were going through your studies, what was it about couples and sex therapy that was really attractive to you?
1: Uh oh. <laughs> um well i think my undergrad is in psychology and i was drawn to psychology just you know i was always kind of like a science person but and my family you know coming from a caribbean family they really wanted me to be a doctor that was the only thing you know that they put in my head and so it was kind of like, uh, you know, is that really what I want to do? You know, can I handle broken bones and blood and things like that? That's just not my, That's just not my thing. So then, you know, thinking about the social sciences was just so, so interesting, right? People are so interesting because we're so incredibly different. And so psychology I was really drawn to. And then um, I went to UCF, I'm a Knights alumni And I was um, a part of the Psychological Society, the group that they had that met, met like once a month. And so they had different types of therapists come in and talk to us about their specialties and what they did. And a sex therapist came in and there was one thing that he said that just resonated with me and I just kind of took it from there. And so he said, you know, one thing about my work is that I'm never bored. And I was like, "Well, I know I get bored pretty easily, so maybe this is the direction to go." And then I actually um, got involved with the Arnold Palmer Children's Hospital. They have a clinic um, for sexually abused children, and so I started volunteering there. And that was really the the game changer for me. You know, it was really seeing these beautiful children who, you know, given the space to to heal and to process and to grow, you know, how resilient these little people were. And it just showed me how important it is to be able to have a space to find your voice to to be in a space where you can feel, you know, uh, supported and protected and empowered. And so that was kind of um, the beginning of my of my journey.
0: That's amazing. It's powerful. And I love what you said there about your experience with these young beautiful children when you were there to support them and they had the space it really allowed them to heal to process to grow to be able to find their voice feel safe and ultimately be empowered to live their life and what's so interesting about that is in my experience both within myself and also working with clients and also just things i see around me is how many adults haven't had the opportunity yet to heal and to process and to grow. So I would be uh, I would love to hear what are some of the maybe similarities and differences that you've seen both in children going through that process of healing and growing versus what do you see in your adult clients that you work with now in terms of how their healing, processing, and growth looks
1: uh, uh, well. They're kind of parallels. They're very much mirrors of each other, and so it's the experiences that we have in our childhood that become pretty much imprinted in our minds as to you know how we think things should be or how things are supposed to go. Right? It's our families of origin. It's our culture. It's our you know all of these you know good positive or what we would, you know, label as positive or negative experiences that really define our perspective going into adulthood, right? Right. And so, you know, children aren't able to really articulate and to express what it is that they are experiencing in a, you know from an adult mind, like in a real comprehensive way, right? Because their minds aren't fully developed. So, you know, in, in that space, working with children, and I also worked with children post-grad after I completed uh, my master's in marriage and family therapy, I actually worked with, um, uh, the Chrysalis center, which, uh, worked with, you know, um, kind of like underprivileged what they called at-risk youth right across broward county and um, into palm beach county and so with them, you have to speak their language and their language is play, right? And so it's, you know, through drawing, through playing games, um, those types of things where you're able to kind of gain some insight into what's going on in their world. Because children really don't have a filter unless they're taught to have a filter, right? right. So, they, so they just kind of say things and express things, especially when they're in their own elements in this element of of, of play right where you can kind of pick up on some of the things that are that might be going on but then when you think about adults if adults haven't really learned how to not only articulate and express their feelings if they haven't even learned how to identify when they're having um, an emotional experience or something is going on within them then we see a lot a lot of those problems emerge within relationships you know especially the differences between gender and um you know i actually just recorded a reel with this um with this analogy because I felt like it was so important for me to, to share with others because I, I almost all of my couples, I, I use this analogy and they find it so helpful. So I actually just uh, recorded this reel and I'm about to put it out probably next week. But um, it's really, okay, let's think about, you have two little kids, right? You have a little boy and a little girl and you're teaching them how to ride a bike. And now it's time to take off the training wheels, right? So you have your little girl's gonna go first, right? So you have your little girl, you push her off, she starts to ride, she starts to ride, and then she falls over, scrapes her knee, and starts to cry. How do we respond to that little girl, typically?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's coddling, telling Mm -hmm. her it's gonna be okay, Mm -hmm. um, showing that compassion, the empathy, Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly, we run to them when they are hurt or in trouble or in pain right we prompt them to tell us what's going on with them tell me what's what's happening where does it hurt tell me show me you know let me let me know let me in to your world and what's happening for you so that i can help you and potentially help to fix it to make it better right so these little girls learn how to express when something is wrong right and sure. And then if we take you know, the little boy, same situation, we push him off, he's riding, he's riding, he falls over and scrapes his knee, starts to cry, how do we respond to that little boy?
0: Yeah, you just tell him to get up, stop crying, you're okay, yep. all, all those types of narratives.
1: <laughs> all of those things, right? So what does that little boy learn? The little boy learns that even if I'm hurt, even if I'm in pain, One, it doesn't matter, right? Because I'm being told that I just need to get up and keep going. The other thing is that I need to figure it out by myself. If nobody's going to help me, then I need to just suck it up, keep it in, and I have to, I'm either, my pain isn't validated and I have to figure out what to do with this on my own, right? So imagine these two little beings that then grow up and then get into relationships right and right now we're talking about you know typical um heterosexual relationships right heteronormative relationships and so you know you have a man and a woman who come from who have received these messages growing up how do you think they're going to be able to communicate with each other
0: right very different.
1: Exactly. And so those are some of the, the real challenges that, that couples experience, right? And so we have to be able to kind of tap in and kind of relearn in a lot of ways how to um, manage and, and process and express what it is that we are experiencing so that we can um, develop a more cohesive relationship in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I love that analogy and it makes so much sense. You know, how there's this conditioning that goes on for both boys and girls when they're young that essentially build how they communicate with others, especially Mm -hmm. in relationship as they grow older. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely seen this similarly within my own clientele and holistic life coaching, um, especially with men, men having this idea. That up to the point that we started working together, that they weren't allowed to seek help, mm-hmm. that they had to do it on their own, mm-hmm. that any type of self-expression mm-hmm. would be a form of complaining, right? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or some type of just negative connotation or to weakness. It. Right or weakness for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Like that vulnerability mm-hmm. being a quote unquote bad thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just been so interesting. Like I'm very grateful for all the men that I've gotten the opportunity to work with over the years, just to see how much pressure and weight is lifted off of their shoulders when they realize that like, hey, it's okay to really get past those stories that you had of what it was supposed to mean to be a man and actually come up with your own definitions of what it means to be a man and if that includes full self-expression being able to talk about your feelings, your emotions, what you're experiencing of as a way to, you know, better yourself and better your relationships around you mm-hmm. that's a superpower and that's Absolutely. something that yeah that we get to see more of and i love it on both sides cuz i know i saw one of your reels or maybe it wasn't a reel maybe it was one of your posts um, maybe a week or two ago when you talk about this idea that you know both men and women we both have masculine and feminine mm-hmm. energy it's the it's the yeah. yin and the yang right you yeah. can't have one without the other exactly and when we talk about human beings like more often than not we're always looking for balance that that homeostasis mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of health and vitality and vibrancy lives Mm -hmm. yet a lot of our conditioning has us think we have to be so far on one end of the spectrum versus the other so i would love to hear kind of how you explain this idea of yin and yang uh, feminine and masculine energy with your clients and and how that starts to resonate for them
1: oh i love this i love this it's one of my you know it's so important and one of my favorite uh, things to talk about, right? Because energetically, you know, we think you know, masculine and feminine as being um, specific to gender, right? right? But you know, when we're talking about energy and just energetically, you know, how how we're feeling, thinking, processing, responding to things, right? we can lean towards one or the other. Masculine and feminine energies are not, you know, strictly to one gender. It doesn't matter because we have both that reside within us and one tends to be a little bit more dominant than the other. And if we're not aware of what that is, then we can start to clash, especially with our partners in a lot of ways. So the masculine energy is very much about doing right it's that very um you know strategic to the point we got to you know do x y and z and this is how we're going to do it and we just got to go 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 and do 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 right For sure. and so it gets into this like human doing space right whereas The feminine energy is all about being, right? It's about the space of being able to find, you know, where we're able to nurture and create and to find, you know, rest and relaxation and all of those types of things because it's more about being, right? So we have the doing versus the being, and when we're doing too much we often get burnt out right Right. and what happens when we get burnt out i mean we're not our best selves right we're not showing up for ourselves probably in the way that we need to and if we're not showing up for ourselves in the way that we need to we're probably not showing up for the ones that we love in the way that that we need to or that they need as well right and so it's really being able to find this this space of of where can we dip into both, right? And where where is it necessary to maybe shift from the masculine to the feminine. And so especially in you know, heterosexual relationships and, you know, it's it's kind of upsetting to me that I keep talking about heterosexual relationships because mm-hmm. it's not the only clientele I work with, but given right. the area that I'm in, it's the majority of my caseload right now. So it's mm. just very prevalent for me. I hear um, so it's really, you know, especially we were just talking about that analogy, right, that men, typically have a really difficult time expressing themselves and sharing what's going on for them, when for women, that's like the point of connection, right? right? And so it's it's really helping, especially men, learn how to maybe step into that more nurturing side. And I don't mean stepping into a parent role. I mean allowing for space for their partner to to feel and express whatever it is that they're going to without the need to fix it, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because I think, again, the way that that we're conditioned, right, men often feel like their role is to provide and to fix and to do all of those things when women often just want to feel supported and heard and seen, right? Right. And so sure. it's being able to kind of step into and dip into both energies and both worlds when, when necessary. And when it comes to sex, right, it's like we think of sex as an act. It's, we, think about, we think about it in terms of doing, but often in order to access that part of ourselves, we have to find a way to just be, right? right? So it's like really finding this, um, I hate the word balance because I feel like we equate that to, to equal, right? But this harmony, mm-hmm. this dance um, right. between between both spaces.
0: Absolutely. Did that
1: answer your question? I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. No, that definitely answers the question. I mean, because the biggest thing for me is like, you know, how do people find this balance? balance or this flow between the yin and the yang and what you said made a lot of sense because I've seen it in my own relationship and just in other people's stories of how you know many a times in a relationship um, and I'll just speak for myself it's like early on being the the man and having my partner say certain things to me like the first thing I want to do is like fix it or it's like oh that's an easy solution like you could just do this but to your point it's not about that it's about opening up that space where Alejandra feels safe to literally talk about what's going on in her life and and being able to speak it out and, and talk it through without me necessarily having to come up with an answer, because that's not what she's asking for.
1: Yeah, or to interject, right? Because a lot of times and what happens too, I think in relationships, and so sorry to cut you off, but it's, it's, you know, especially when men get into this fix it mode, right, and they just jump to the solution, then it's kind of like, what your partner's experiencing isn't being validated, right? So then the partner starts feeling alone and like, you know, I, I can't even express myself. He doesn't hear me, you know, he's not listening. And that creates a whole nother bag of worms.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure, no, it makes a lot of sense. And then now I'm curious, like, cause we're, we're that was a example and a great example of what it looks like when a man gets to tap more into that feminine energy and be nurturing by listening, holding space, etc. What have you found that it looks like for a woman in a relationship to tap more into the masculine energy?
1: hmm so uh, what's interesting about the masculine and feminine energies is that typically when we are um, stressed or overwhelmed or going through you know, a really difficult um, situation, we tend to put on the mask of the other, right? And so what tends to happen, I think, a lot of times for women, because women serve so many different roles, right? And a lot of times they're not, um, seen or heard or understood for the amount of quote, unquote work that they are doing and contributing to the family and the relationship. And it's often overseen or, or felt unseen. right? Right. And so, when and it, you know if we take this last year into consideration I mean kids are just now going back to school and parents were and moms really were at home homeschooling these kids taking on an entirely different you know additional role to the other roles that that she had in the family, right? And so a lot of times when we get into this you know space of, of stress or anxiety and overwhelm that we put on the mask of the other. So Women can show up in a very, maybe like masculine or kind of pseudo aggressive way, right? Because it's like they have to assert themselves and express, listen, you're not seeing me, you're not hearing me, these are all the things I'm doing, I'm not getting the support that I need, right? And so they can come off um, as kind of expressing themselves in a very masculine way, especially when there's so many things that have to get done right in order to, to support a family. And so they do kind of fall into the masculine in a lot of ways. And so when we have two masculine energies, I mean, that's not, you know, the law of polarity, right? Those things don't attract and they don't stick and so that's often where we find sticking points um, in relationships when one is kind of assuming the energy of the other by by virtue of what they're experiencing
0: Mm, absolutely It, it makes a ton of sense and again i think it comes back to really like this understanding and appreciation of each other and this noticing of what the other person is doing what the other person is requiring because I think something that I see a lot is kind of this whenever there's like a disagreement and I'm speaking in generalities here of how a lot of times it's immediately like oh well this person's not doing this right he's not doing this part or she's not doing this part and it's always that you know, pointing one finger out, but now you got three fingers pointing back at you—a uh, uh, type of deal. So, kind of going back to this point of making sure that the individual is taking care of themselves at a high level. How do you feel like ownership plays a role in the couples therapy and sex therapy that you do, and how does that show up for your clients?
1: Oh, that's huge. I mean if we were able to take responsibility for our own actions or our own responses, then there would be far less blame in relationships. Right. Right, And so what happens is that once we start, um, placing blame on the other, then it really sets the ground for like defensiveness and, and stonewalling. And so, um, one of the biggest, uh, couples researchers that um, that's really big in in um, the couples counseling field, and he doesn't coin himself as a couples counselor. He's a couples researcher, and his name is Dr. John Gottman, um, and he's based out of Seattle. And him and his wife uh, John and Julie Gottman, they have something called a Love Lab, and the Love Lab is really an apartment that it's a you know small apartment where they ask couples to go to stay for a weekend or a few days extended you know a little extended period of time they ask them to bring all of their stuff from home you know their own food their pets their whatever and there's cameras all around this apartment. They're watching the way they interact. He calls them in for different interviews to talk about things that are going well in the relationship, things, you know, places where, you know, they might have some challenges. And he watches for very specific things. And so he has been researching couples for over four decades, right? Wow. So over 40 years of, of watching and, and asking and talking to couples about all of the things right and he can predict he says to about like i think it's like 93 or 95 percent certainty which couples are going to make it and which ones aren't based off of key factors and one of those key factors is what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the four horsemen of the apocalypse and if these things are present then the relationship probably isn't going to you know end well And so it is criticism, Mm -hmm. contempt, stonewalling, and defensiveness, right? So criticism is that placing blame, right? Contempt is when we put our partner down and say, how could you, you know, do this? All of those types of things. Mm -hmm. And those two things are very much intertwined, which leads to very often defensiveness and stonewalling so we get defensive right we have we feel like we have to defend ourselves defend our character defend what it is that we're doing and then stonewalling is when we shut down so these Mm -hmm. are the the people or the times where it's like we're so like overwhelmed or we're so over this conversation because it's been the same argument over and over again i'm just going to shut you out and i'm going to ignore everything that you're you're saying and just completely disconnect from you in this moment right so these mm-hmm. four things really lead to the demise of relationships. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about, when you're asking about taking ownership, right? If we were able to really sit and reflect and put our own guard down, right? And, and you were talking about vulnerability before, stepping into a space of being able to take a look at ourselves in a way of, well, how, how did I contribute to this, right? Was it something that I did? Was it something that I said? right? And often, um, majority of the time, right? I want to say kind of all of the time in relationships, it's not one or the other. It's both, right? right. There's three parts of a relationship. There's <laughs> each partner, and then it's the connection and the dynamic in between them. And all three parts require something very different, right? And so mm-hmm. it's not just you know each of you, but how are each of you showing up to this conversation or to this relationship right now? And how is that fitting together, right? And mm-hmm. so if we're able to really t- take a step back and kind of, you know, zoom out a little bit and look at things from from a broader perspective of saying, okay, you know, maybe I said that and I... <sighs> maybe I really wasn't supposed to say that, or maybe that wasn't the best thing to say, right? Maybe I could have said that a little bit differently, or, you know, she has told me that, you know, she would appreciate me to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I really haven't been taking the initiative on that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's not to discount whatever the partner is doing, right? But we have to be able to self-reflect on what it is that that we may or may not be doing that's contributing to uh, potential problems within the relationship. So taking ownership, taking responsibility is so important because that moment that we point the finger, as you were saying, the moment that we even use the word you and say yeah. you do this, you never, you always, right? First of all, mm-hmm. speaking in absolutes is is an absolute problem,
0: fat, right? Fat.
1: And once we as soon as that one word is used, more often than not, partners get defensive, right? So as soon as we say you it's like we're already guarded, we're already like preparing ourselves for what it is, oh, what are they gonna say now, right? And then we start getting into our head about all the things rather than actually listening to what it is that's being said. Right. So I often encourage you know, my, my clients to, in taking ownership, it's speaking from an I-centered space, so we call it I-statements, right? so i feel this when this happens Mm -hmm. right so rather than saying you know i feel this when you do that no
0: (laughs) that i mean that
1: defeats the purpose right so i i'm feeling this way or i'm or this is what i'm experiencing when x y or z happens so that way you're bringing attention to the dynamic the interaction or whatever is occurring in that moment versus Blaming the partner and putting the partner down.
0: Yeah, for sure. I love that. I mean, that that goes hand in hand with nonviolent communication, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to take it and talk about what the triggering event was and how I, as an individual, felt during this event, right? So it's the event that I'm speaking on, mm-hmm. not the person mm-hmm. um, that was included in the event.
1: Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, and. I can only imagine, like, I'm curious, right? Like, <laughs> stuff like this. Like, I, I consider myself to be uh, just a, a constant student of trying to be my best self, mm-hmm. right? So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I do the work, I read the books, listen to the podcasts, oh, you know, all the things, right, whatnot. And I still struggle with these types of things.
1: Of course, we're human. So,
0: of course right we we are we are we are inerrant right we are not free from error but but what i what i think is fascinating and what i'm curious about is how many sessions and i'm I'm sure it's different for everybody Mm -hmm. but it's like how many sessions does it take to create a space where both people in the relationship um whether heterosexual homosexual like can bring down their guards and like really listen. Mm -hmm. Like is there, is it very random? Is it completely different? Are there certain trends? I'm just so curious on how that looks.
1: So it really is absolutely completely different. It really depends on the partners and what the partners are bringing and how they're showing up to not only the relationship of these sessions, right? And I think what one of the key factors (laughs) One of the trends you're asking about, trends um, that I that I see and notice, and it, what's so important is this idea of willingness, right? And quite often, I can kind of gauge from the very first session which couples are, you know, really here to work at it, right, and to and here to to get better and to grow together and to to really. Um, bridge the gaps and, and to find that newfound connection and which ones are there just to bitch and complain <laughs> you yeah, know right. I mean it's very it just kind of depends on the stance of the person and where the person is um, at, at that time right because so often I have to tell you that you know I have so many couples that that show up in my office either 3, 5, 10 or 20 years kind of too late Right when these things have been building for so long and so many resentments have already you know, taken hold where you know, one or both of them already has one foot out the door or both feet out the door. You know? And so at that point, really, how much can really be done? And it's really you know, difficult to, to, to view it that way, but you know, I can only do the best with, with what I have. And so when I kind of get a sense and que- or question whether or not they're really here to to you know do the work um i kind of pose this other um you know kind of story for them um my family is from jamaica right and so i grew up listening to Bob Marley, and he is just one of my my favorite artists. And it wasn't until I was, um, I think i just finished grad school, I was seeing clients, and, you know, I think I was studying for my licensure exam, and I was listening to his music in the background, and and Is This Love started to play. Mm. Are you familiar with that song?
0: Yeah, it's beautiful, absolutely. And
1: so he has two words well three really in this song that just clicks for me and made so much sense and i'm like this man is just so incredibly he's a genius right Mm. he says i'm willing and able Mm. right Mm. and the reality is we can't have one without the other if we want change to happen Right? Absolutely. Or if we want to get somewhere, go somewhere, whatever it is, right? We can have all the willingness in the world, but if we don't have the ability, nothing's really going to happen. And vice versa, right? We can have all the ability in the world, but if we don't have the willingness, (laughs) then uh, nothing's really going to happen, right? So when I get a sense of, or when I question whether or not, you know, they're really here to do the work because relationships are work, right?
0: Right,
1: for sure. I, I kind of give them that little story and I say to them you know um, you're here to learn the able right I'm I can't necessarily give them the willingness right the willingness has to come from them it has to come from within it has to come from you know yes we can have conversations that maybe can help to develop that in some ways but it really starts with the person right and so I very clearly state to them, you know, they are coming to see me to learn the able, but I can't necessarily give them the willingness. And without those two, then we're not really going to get very far.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, such a powerful story. And I appreciate you sharing that. Because one of the things that I always say, and something that I learned, really, from my relationship with my mom and her death and how she died is that, you know, I can't help somebody. That doesn't mm-hmm. want to be helped, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's where, to me, that willingness factor comes in. Because mm-hmm. it's very similar to you. I tell my clients, like, look, I can I can share with you tools. Like, we can get to the bottom of, you know, the limiting beliefs, the way you're self-sabotaging, mm-hmm. um, what's really important to you, what you're committed to doing, mm-hmm. and all of these things. But if the willingness is not there, th- there's really no way you're going to be able to create this change, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So Exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I love how you how you bring that up. And I'm curious, maybe you could share with the listeners what what are some maybe questions that you ask or something that can really stir someone's mind to really check in with themselves and see are you willing to make a change?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think those questions are very different. Um, I think depending on the person and depending on the couple. But one of the ways that I do um, help to kind of start those those wheels to turn is, you know, my clients are coming in. They're telling me about their story. They're telling me about their problems. They're telling me, you know, all of the things, right? And we can, you know, want something or feel like we need something but yet our actions are showing otherwise right, right. so if if there if, if there's no congruency or very minimal congruency between their their words and their actions that's something that I have to highlight for them right and that often helps them to start kind of thinking oh you know well am I doing this or, you know, is this really what I want? Or, you know, is, am I, am going back to the, the ownership and responsibility, right? Is it something that maybe I'm doing? And then the other part of it too, is, you know, when, when couples, individuals and couples come in, um, often, you know, it's kind of like that point of crisis, right? Where things are like so tough that I can't figure it out on my own. Right and so when we get to that space it's kind of like we develop this tunnel vision and this tunnel vision it's like all negative all we see is you know the the craziness or the the negative stuff that's going on in front of us right where we can't see outside of that so a part of my job as well is to help my clients Uh, develop a broader perspective. So to help them zoom out a little bit to kind of take like a bird's eye view of the situation. Let's take a look at all of the moving parts here. Right. And when we take a look from different perspectives, then it might give us different insights. Right. And so I might ask them, okay, you know, if, if you're, if somebody comes in as an individual, right. And if your partner was here right now, what would they say? right? And then we can kind of take a look at, you know, where is the differences between what they're saying and what you're saying? How is it that they are thinking or feeling this way, right? Because something's happening that's that's creating that for them, right? So we have to take a look at that, right? And so it's being able to not only look at ourselves and the relationship that we have, again, going back to that relationship with ourselves and the relationship that we have with everything, right? The relationship we have with our families and our careers, um, and our hobbies and our pastimes, and you know, all of those things. so taking a look at yourself, where is this coming from from within me, right? Where did I learn this message? Where did I learn this way of being, and is it serving me right now?
0: Mm, you know, that's... is
1: it in line with where it is that I want to be or where it is that I want to go? And so, the specific questions i mean it's very it's very different for you know for each um for each client but it it really entails all of these different factors
0: yeah it makes a ton of sense i mean being able to create a broader perspective for somebody or to be able to step into another person's shoes and maybe try to see it from their angle it allows a whole new level of awareness to be created And I always say with awareness comes choice. And now that there's a new set of awareness that a person has, well, now they have the choice to make different decisions if they so choose. And ideally, those decisions will be more in alignment with what it is they're looking to create within themselves and within the relationship.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I typically say, you know, awareness is half the battle. So awareness yeah, is right. kind of like kicking open the door, right? It's like, okay, now I see. But then we actually have to take the steps through the door, right? It's like those actionable, aligned steps, right? And so that's really where the change occurs. But the choice is absolutely that, that forerunner there
0: hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the last thing I would love to touch on um, because you you spoke about it and then brought this question in me. It's like, you know, you get people that they'll come to you when it's 10, 20 years too late. For anyone who's listening to this, what maybe could be some, maybe not even signs, but I don't know the right words for it, signs, situations, or whatever it may be where it's like, okay, maybe seeing a, a family or a sex therapist would be a great idea.
1: Mm-hmm. So often, you know, it's, you know, I think when people talk about Especially if we think about single people, right? And they're dating and then they end up, you know, breaking up with the person. And then after the fact, they're like, oh, you know, I wasn't paying attention to the signs. There were so many red flags and I chose to ignore them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really taking a moment to reflect on, you know, how is my relationship working, right? not only my relationship with others but the relationship with myself you know how am i speaking to myself how you know what are the thoughts i tend to to have about myself or or my partner right and if if that goes into a space that kind of feels uncomfortable or doesn't feel like it's it's a fit for the life that you are really wanting to be living right mm-hmm. then that's a good sign of okay maybe there's something that can shift or change, or I can use a different perspective or some tools or resources here. And then when it comes to the relationship, you know, if you have the same sticking points that keep on coming up and quite often, you know, it's in, in relationships, it's kind of the same themes that are emerging in different ways. Right. And if we think about this, even like on a you know, maybe like a spiritual level, right? That we're here to kind of learn lessons through life, right? And and the world, the universe, if you if you subscribe to that, will give you, you know, circumstances or scenarios to help you practice and work through, so that you can build the the strength and the tools and the resources that you need right and so the same thing happens in relationships where it's like the same themes keep popping up and if you're not really learning what it is that you need to learn to overcome these sticking points then they're only going to get worse right they're only (laughs) going to get harder and so if there are certain things where you feel like oh that's not you know that's not a big deal or, you know, I can change them or they'll change or things will change over time. Or if this happens, then this will be different. I mean, you know, that's not always a guarantee. Right. And so what I've noticed though, and a good majority of my caseload are younger clients and it is so, uh, it's, it's, it, it just, it's, it's a testament to the shift in consciousness that's happening right now, right? Where people are recognizing that, okay, I don't have to wait until full blown crisis, right? To come into therapy. I have a a good majority of my clientele right now that, you know, give me a call and they're like, you know, things are really going really well in all of these different aspects of the relationship. But this one thing we're really, you know, struggling with, right? And so that way, they're taking a more proactive approach versus waiting until shit hits the fan,
0: <laughs> you love know? that. love that.
1: And so it's really just kind of taking a look at, okay, are there things that are kind of reoccurring? Are there reoccurring themes here? Is Do I feel um, safe or secure or able to express myself to my partner? Can I share what it is that I'm feeling without them getting defensive or taking it personally or all of those things or am I getting defensive or taking things personally and all of those things right and so th- those are the things to really pay attention to because the more that you stuff it or brush it on the rug or you know think that things will change over time given different circumstances or scenarios I mean it's just kind of like you're setting yourself up for failure and I think that's why. You know I mean and my practice I my practice is very full right now I'm actually on a on a waiting list because it's
0: amazing
1: thank you I think coming out of last year right where couples were really forced to be in the same space at the same time to really have to deal with each other right to be around each other to interact with each other to communicate and to spend time whereas before this pandemic, you know, we were able to distract ourselves in so many ways, right, yep. where, you know, we were able to just kind of continue to, to shove it or to sweep it or to, you know, oh, no big deal. I'm just going to go out with my friends. I'm going to go to work and I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to, you know, and this pandemic has really highlighted the cracks within relationships. And so these are the things, right, to really pay attention to because, you, you don't want to wait until it's too late. And too late is when one or both partners have one or both feet out the door, or when the, those resentments are really starting to build to a point where you're not able to, to express or experience empathy in, in any type of way.
0: Yeah, wise words, super wise words. And I love how your clientele or a lot of your clientele right now they are jumping in right away yes. in terms of being proactive in making their relationship work in the way that that they really wanted to work as opposed to waiting until shit hits the fan and things are at rock bottom and like you said it's too late because one or both partners have a foot or both out of the door and then once it gets to that point it's like the compassion really goes out the window the empathy the sympathy being able to really meet your partner where they're at is all gone. So I think for, you know, everyone listening whether you are in a relationship or you're not in a relationship, just understanding like, you know, getting help is always an option. And and to think that you have to do anything by yourself is not necessarily true. What I think is true is that you have to be ready to be helped. And then once you're ready to be helped there's so many you know avenues out there and you know there's amazing therapists out there there's amazing coaches and you know even also being able to have really good friends and people close to you that you could talk to about these things and be open and vulnerable with uh, without feeling like you're being judged you know it's so so important so yeah i really appreciate this conversation and I, i think it'd be really cool to do a part two in the near future Um, And really dive into like like the single side of things. I know we talked a lot about uh, relationships here and um, or at least partnerships, we'll say partnerships here. And yeah, I would love to hear your perspective on, you know, for single people and what that looks like for them and what your experience has been with them and i think it'd be really really powerful
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and it's it's you know absolutely a pleasure to be a part of of your platform you know because the more people that can hear these messages and to you know get the help that they need when they need it right it's just so so important you know suffering we don't have to live a life of suffering right i mean if we're not happy with ourselves or in our relationships, you know, there's, there's, solutions all around. We just have to be able to to reach out and and grab them.
0: Amen. Amen. I love that, Rachel. Where can everyone listening find you online?
1: Yes. Okay. So uh, my social media platforms, um, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my handle is Infinite Intimacy Therapy. My website is infiniteintimacytherapy.com, um, so you can learn a little bit more about my services um, and upcoming uh, programs that that are in the works right now. It's some really exciting stuff that I have going on, and I have about three programs I'm about to launch in the next three months um and i'm working on some partnerships some really cool partnerships as well and um i have a couples retreat coming up in february so hey let's go yeah there's a lot of really really awesome things happening so you know if you follow me on my platforms you can get more information about all of those things
0: yes 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 everyone listening please 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 do yourself a favor check out rachel and what she has going on i will say her posts are very, very, very engaging. They're fun. They're funny. They're cool. They're informative. So it's, it's great to see you uh, re- really showing yourself off and, and really stepping into your power. It's amazing.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And you know, let me know when you're ready for part two. It'll be exciting. Hey, absolutely. <laughs>
0: absolutely. We'll make it happen. Rachel, have a phenomenal day, phenomenal weekend, and looking forward to doing this again. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you.